You're listening to Beyond the Sermon, the podcast of First Methodist Church in Collingswood, New Jersey. Our goal is to not only share our sermons, but to go beyond the sermon with conversations about what we're learning and what God is doing in our lives and our community. You can find out more information about our church at fumccollingswood.org. Thanks for listening. All right, this morning we are continuing in our summer sermon series on uh, the songs of summer, our look at the Psalms. And uh, this morning, I was just wondering, have you ever had trouble trying to find something that you know that you should be able to find? Anybody? You know you should be able to find, you're looking and you're looking, and at some point, you're looking shifts from looking for that thing to searching for that thing. You know what I mean? You, you know what I mean. It's like you cross a line from where, you, you, you cross a line to where uh, finding that thing is just as important as the thing itself, right? You just don't want to be defeated in that. Ever since we moved from Mullica Hill to Collingswood last year, we've been searching and searching and searching for a container of cookie cutters that we would have sworn that we packed, both Meg and I. We, we, we have memories of putting it into one of the packing boxes. But we have torn this parsonage apart looking for these cookie cutters, top to bottom, front to back, everywhere in between. We've looked in boxes that would have no business containing cookie cutters, boxes full of sports equipment, boxes full of electronic cables, boxes in the basement, boxes in the closets, any box that we could find. And we still haven't found the cookie cutters that we are looking for anywhere. I think we finally admitted that they must have ended up in a box that went to the trash instead of a box that came to Collingswood. But you know that frustration, that feeling of frustration mixed with determination you have when you're looking for something? But then think about the elation you feel when you finally find that thing you've been searching for. Feels pretty good, doesn't it? Jesus even told a set of stories in Luke chapter 15 about people who looked for things until they found them and the excitement that they found when those things that were lost became found. I want to read just two quick stories for us this morning from Luke chapter 15. And um, I'm going to be in in the scriptures a lot today. So we're going to do our best to get them all up there on the screen, but feel free to pull out a Bible and, and... Flip around with me this morning. But here in Luke 15, beginning in verse 3, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, 
he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. If we find those cookie cutters, you better believe there's gonna be cookies on a Sunday morning for everybody. And I'm signing my wife up for things that, that I'll have no part of, but um, there will be cookies. But these are the stories that came to my mind as I read over Psalm 139 this week. And I thought about this God searching for us. This God who searches us, as Psalm 139 says. How does it make you feel to know that our God searches for us like that, like the shepherd who's lost the one sheep, like the woman who's lost one coin, like, like the crazy people who have lost their set of cookie cutters and can't find them anywhere. To think about the reality that God doesn't just look for you, but he also searches us. He searches for us. It's pretty incredible. It should help you feel like you are of immeasurable value, that you matter to God because you do immensely. But then I want you to, to shift that picture in your mind a little bit. Now, instead of thinking about the God who searches for you like this, I want you to think about that same God searching you like this, looking into every nook and cranny of your heart. Because that's what Psalm 139, one to five says, right? It says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts even from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. God not only searches for us, he not only looks for us all over the place, he searches us. He searches the depths of us to know us. Psalm 139 says, to know everything about us. Now, if we're honest, I think that can sound pretty terrifying. 
doesn't it? The, the reality that God knows everything about us, everything we do, everything we're going to say even before we say it because he knows everything that we think. That could be pretty terrifying. You see, no matter where we go, there's no hiding from God. Even those things we want to keep hidden because God is everywhere. And that's what Psalm 139 says as it continues. It says, where can I go from your spirit? This is verse seven. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. There's nowhere, nowhere you can go where you can get away from God's presence. You can't go high enough. You can't go low enough to get away from the spirit of God. You can't go far enough east. That's what it means when the psalmist says, if I rise on the wings of the dawn. He's, he's talking about you can't go far enough east and you can't go far enough west. That's, the, that's where the far side of the sea was because geographically, if you're standing in Israel, the Mediterranean Sea would be the sea that you're, you're talking about. And that sea was to the west of Israel, always to the west of Israel. So there's nowhere further to the west than beyond the far side of the sea. We can't even hide in the dark from God. Because everywhere that God is, there is light. Because God himself is light. And the things we do in secret, the things we try to keep hidden, the things we think no one else sees and no one else knows about, God knows those things. He sees those things. We can't hide even those things from God. We aren't even able to hide from God in the very depths of ourselves. He knows our thoughts. He knows our desires. He knows our secrets. The things we don't even whisper to our closest friends. He knows everything about us because he's the one who made us. He's the one who formed us and knew us from the moment of our conception. Listen again to the poetry of Psalm 139 as, as the psalmist describes just how intimately God knows us. Picking up in verse 13, he says, for you, he's talking about God, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. 
Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I was reading these words when I was waiting to hear news from Jeremy and Rebecca that little Theo had arrived, thinking about how God wasn't quite done knitting him together and waiting and waiting and waiting. But, but just think about how intimately God knows us because of how intimately he was involved in our creation. I don't know if any of you are knitters. Anybody out there knit besides Meg? I know she does. Uh, a couple of you. I'm not a knitter. Meg does. And a couple of years ago, she knit each of our boys a scarf as one of their Christmas presents. And let me tell you, that is no quick process. She would spend hours in the evening, after the boys went to bed, of course, because she was trying to keep it a surprise for them. And when we had a, a, a basketball game on or a football game or something, or I was working on something, she'd sit there knitting, purling, whatever else you do when you're knitting a scarf. And she counted each stitch so that the scarf would come out the way, just the way that she intended for it to come out. And that's the way that Psalm 139 talks about the way that God forms us in the very inmost parts of our being. You see, you are no mass-produced, factory-standard, generic person. You're handmade, unique, special, a labor of love. Now, you might say, but, but Scott, we know how babies are made now. We understand the biological processes that occur that give rise to life. And don't worry, we're not gonna go into those here in, in the service. But, but we know, we know God isn't knitting babies together in a woman's womb with a pair of knitting needles. And, and in a literal, scientific, factual sense, it's true. You're right. But that doesn't mean that God isn't intimately involved in each of those processes that bring us about. Or that he doesn't have the level of care for each person that the psalmist is describing. You see, we can't quite wrap our minds around it. Because we can barely remember the names of our neighbors, let alone all seven people who are alive on the earth today. I think this is why the next thought out of the, the author's mouth is this. Verse 17, he says, how precious are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I'm awake, I'm still with you. You see, he's blown away by the thought that God thinks about us about me and about you. And there's nowhere that we can go to hide from him. He knows everything about us and there's nothing that we can keep hidden from him. 
Now, like I mentioned earlier, that could be a terrifying thought. I mean, maybe I'm the only one, but there are things that I've done in my life, thoughts that I've thought that I don't really want anyone else to know about. Things that I would much rather keep hidden, parts of my life that I want to act like they didn't really happen or didn't really exist. But God knows each and every one of them. And the thing that blows my mind about it all is God knows all of those things, all those things I try to keep hidden, all the times I've failed, all the sins I've committed, all the pain I've caused, all the ugliness in my heart. And he still loves me. And he still loves you. You see, God knows the deepest and the darkest parts of our hearts and he still loves us. He still comes searching for us. I think this is the tension that the writer of Psalm 139 feels because in the next section of the psalm, it kind of goes off, it seems, in a completely different direction and he, he starts asking God to destroy the wicked He says, if only, God, you would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you, God, with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. See, the psalmist is saying, if God knows us this deeply, if he understands who we are in the very deepest parts of our hearts, if he knows the wickedness that's in these wicked people's hearts, how can he let them continue to do these awful things? Why are these people allowed to continue in their evil? He's saying, God, why don't you do something about them? But then it's like the light bulb comes on and the light of truth dawns on him and he realizes all these wicked things, all these awful things, the depths of the wickedness he knows in these people's hearts, these people that the psalmist would count enemies because they're enemies of God. He knows all those things about me too. But instead of allowing that to lead him to fear or despair, to giving up, to walking away from it all, he remembers who he knows God to be and how much God loves him. He remembers how intimately God forms us, how he knows us and loves us. And so he closes the psalm right where he started by inviting the God who has searched him and who knows him to come and search him again. He says in verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, not those other people, test me. 
and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting. You see, he's come to understand that the God who sees him and knows him isn't up in heaven waiting and watching for us to screw up so that he can punish us. This God who's up there, who knows us, who sees us, who understands even the very depths of us, he wants to do a transforming work in our lives, searching us and testing us so that he can lead us out of that wickedness and into the way everlasting. Brothers and sisters, you are deeply and truly known by God and he still loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love and he longs to be given freedom to search our hearts, even the deepest and darkest parts of our hearts, the parts we try to hide from him, the parts we tried to hide ourselves in, not because he wants to destroy us, but because he is for us. And he longs to see us become the fullness of who he created us to be, who he knows we can become because he formed each one of us. You see, we are so loved by God that he even put on our humanity. And he came, as he said in Luke 19.10, when he was talking about the tax collector Zacchaeus someone who would have been considered one of those wicked people by his fellow Israelites. He said, the son of man, talking about himself, he came to seek and to save the lost. You see, God searches for us, the lost and the wandering, and he will search within us to find and transform what sin has broken and what doesn't line up with his character and his nature. But he also invites us to search for him. Hear this invitation that God gave through the prophet Elijah, not the prophet Elijah, that was Sunday school, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 55, verses six and seven. He says, seek the Lord, search for the Lord while he may be found, call on him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. Or in the words of Jesus himself in Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. To the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. There are a million things in the world that we look to, that we look trying to find that thing that will satisfy the deepest longings of our hearts. But those things will always leave us feeling 
like we still haven't found what we're looking for. Because in the words of C.S. Lewis, if we find in ourselves a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. You see, brothers and sisters, we were made for a world in which we're able to dwell in perfect relationship with God and with one another. We were made for a world without the wickedness and brokenness of sin. We were made for a God who searches for us and searches us and who promises to be found by us if we will search for him. So this morning, I wanna invite you. I wanna ask you, will you seek the Lord while he may be found? Will you come out of that place of hiding and allow him to find you? Remember when he was walking in the cool of the garden, looking for Adam and Eve, the man and the woman, and he, he called out, where are you? He said, we heard you coming and we hid ourselves. Will you come out of hiding and allow God to find you? He knows everything about you and he still loves you. And after all, you're not really hiding anything from him after all, he longs to see you become everything he intended for you to be when he knit you together in your mother's womb. This is the invitation today. Would you let God find you? Would you seek after him?